Hey, hey, welcome to another of another episode of Iron and Soul Podcast. I am super excited for my guest today. My guest today is Jay Pryor um, of Jake Pryor Consulting and is also a author. He wrote, they wrote a book. Um, so, uh, I just spaced. Uh, <laughs> lean inside. That's the name of my book. Lean inside. Seven. <laughs> yeah, there you go. I'm like letting I'm you just sweat. Let you do it. I'm lean it inside. Up. Seven steps to personal power. Which he, which they um, published in 2015. So welcome to the show, Jay. Thank you. I appreciate you being on. We have a um, a couple mutual friends. So um, probably Brandon, a lot more than we know. <laughs> probably, yeah, I guess so. We just <laughs> we just chatted um, off air about it a little bit. So Brandon, who was on couple episodes ago mm-hmm. um mutual friends and then scott creaky oh of i worked course, with yeah. scott at uh burt nash oh, okay got years it. ago so yeah yeah so well, i know all the people at burt nash too so oh, i mean not I, all of them but you know we, we probably yeah. know a lot of people <laughs> yeah, we, yeah we probably do <laughs> yeah. we just um you and i have never crossed i know right isn't that funny? I, lawrence is funny like that you think you know everybody and then you're like wait a minute i know <laughs> don't right? know that guy <laughs> <laughs> and i've i've in in as I've been here on and off twenty five years now, mm-hmm. um, I have heard about you throughout the years. Okay, so just it, you know, coming you know paths about you know in the counseling world, and then in, I started a consulting firm in December, and so just kind of nice. Just yeah. your name gets bounced around, and then I th- I met your partner. Oh, have you? Um, let's see. It's working with Scott. At a function at KU a few years ago, hmm. and she, yep. correct, mm-hmm. Jessica, uh, Jessica, probably at Casa. She was probably yeah, she Casa. Was, yeah, yeah. And so she was in a booth next to us, and, mm-hmm. and Scott introduced us. Yeah, so. she's a Casa. She's on the board of Casa. Yeah, so I'm, I met her a few years ago, and yeah, so well, welcome. Well, Again, thank you. Yeah, um, great to be here. Thanks for coming. It's a crazy time right now. It is a very crazy time right now. Um, I wanted to have, when I had um, Brandon on, I wanted um, some folks during Pride Month. Mm-hmm. And so that's why um, one of the reasons your name came across his lips was to sure. have you on during this month. So how's, you told, let's just start off, let's just get after it like what you told me off air about what, what has happened the last week. Oh, last week. Yeah. Um, well, we've had two trans uh, women murdered um, in the last week, which is always devastating. They're also very brutal. Sometimes it just blows my mind how brutal yeah. people are. But with trans women, you know, they just, um, it's so, it, people are so awful about how they treat trans women. And so we've had two black trans women uh, murdered over the last week. Uh, um, and I think that's, Significant because we're right in the middle of Black Lives Matter and right. trans trans black women are. I mean, it's just like an epidemic. Uh, they're just like are always the target for abuse and for uh, murder. So unfortunately, we've had a lot of uh, that happen. But in the last two weeks, we had um, two black trans women murdered, and we also lost a young twenty three ish. I don't know how old he was, but a young trans man that was part of our trans community. So. Man, it's been just, a rough week. Yeah. So that's that's, and that's just in the realm of the whole of the gays. So right, <laughs> yeah. right. right. So, so let, I want to ask an, a question: Why are black trans women? What is it about that that is? Well, first, it's trans women. So let's. Trans. So people really have. I cannot iterate this enough: how much value people put on men okay. versus women. So why on God's green earth would you ever give up your man status? So that is part of the issue is that people, our values have been, those people value their manhood and value men and can't even imagine that somebody not want to be a man. So, and so then we look at the idea that women are less valued, right? right? And then you look at the idea that for racist black lives don't matter, which is why it's important to say out loud that black lives matter. And so you'd put the two together with the um, black trans women and they're just like the, the most da- the, the dangerous, the most dangerous person to be right now is a black trans woman. Cause it's just really scary. It so. is, that is yeah, super scary. I yeah, just, just have just, to really be careful. You know, it's really, you know, I come from this, this spot of, of privilege, right? Like I'm yeah. truly privileged mm-hmm. and, um, and I understand that. So it's, I still, just can't like I just get shocked 
Right. You know, every time I hear something like that, right. I'm like, Which is what? a privilege to be right. shocked. Exactly. Right. <laughs> yes. But it's still like, yeah, what the fuck is going on? Right. And you just think, what is wrong with people? Like, right. Because it's also when it comes to trans women, they don't just kill them. I mean, they like, like one of them was dismembered. You know what I mean? Like they do the most vile, vile things to, to the trans woman when it's just horrible. So I just, it's I really just... interesting. Gender is something that really jacks with people. It is so conditioned. I mean, if you really look at what we've seen, um, I don't know if you're familiar, but one of the things I've done in the last year is I wrote and produced a one human show called the gender reveal party. I saw it. I, I haven't seen it, but I saw it on advertising on, on your website. Yeah. So part of the reason I did that is a, I've always kind of wanted to do, to tell my story in a way that was like, not, uh, not trying to be soft about it, you know, cause okay. I've always tried to love people through their transphobia. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I've always tried to love uh-huh. people through their homophobia. Right. You know, I've always come at it with like, if I love you and I keep coming from love, then we're going to have a good result here. Mm-hmm. So I've for a long time wanted to just kind of gloves off to kind of just tell it like it is. So that's part of the reason I did this show. But the other reason is because, you know, the surgeons and gen and I call them genital reveal parties, but in gender reveal parties just reiterates the the whole training of men and women and how in ensconced we are for lack of a better word or how important it is to know what it is right so they know how to treat it because the minute you think you know it has a penis or a vulva then you start treating it that way you know in utero even that makes like as you're saying that that makes so much so much sense like i didn't even think like all the nuances, right? Like I'm just trying to take it all in, trying yeah, to learn, sure. grow, right? Yeah. Now that's an like now I'm going to think about that differently. Yeah. I mean, imagine they wow. they they're called gender reveal parties, yeah. but the reality is your time, genitals right? and your gender don't have anything to do with one another. Right. I mean anything. <laughs> so what you really are doing is having a genital reveal party where you're revealing the genitals of the child and eating cake about it. <laughs> I mean, let's get real. Our kid's gonna have a penis. Right on. <laughs> let's throw a party. <laughs> yes, exactly. Let's have cake, right? But then you really think about what's what what's the impact of that. Right. Is that now we know that's a little man in there. Oh, we got to. Oh, know, he's going to be so tough, and look so how strong he is. And, and we're going to paint his yeah, room blue and yeah, green, all and, that stuff. And yeah. oh, now we're going to have a little girl. Now she a princess, yes. and then she's sweet, and then she, you know, all of it, all of it. And then we, I assert that we are classically trained. In my show, I talk about being classically trained female in the 1960s and 70s, and I assert that human beings are trained into their gender. And so, or so, into their sex, like whatever their sex is, then they have this training that goes along with it, that if you fly in the face of that training, society will smack you in your head. And that's... Well, t- tell me a little bit about the, tr- like what you, th- what your theory of the training or the... Oh yeah, saying. sure. Yeah. I'll give you examples. Yeah. Give, yeah. I'd <laughs> so love to hear, like... I'm classically trained female. Okay. So by the time I was 10, I knew that at Thanksgiving, all the men would stand up and go watch football and all the women would go in and clean. And because I had female genitalia I was expected to be in there with the women okay right so that is like training and by the time women are in their 40s and 50s when a man walks into the room they just jump up to serve them they don't think about it and you watch if you really pay attention Mm -hmm. part of the thing that has been interesting for me being born female and then walking through the world is what I call an undercover white guy (laughs) (laughs) I'm undercover that's right I mean I walk in a room you don't see a vulva no, not <laughs> I mean, at all. You see, dude. Right? Totally. You know, sometimes a little effeminate dude, but dude. Pretty right? much dude to me. Right, yeah. exactly. I mean, yeah. when I do get called gay or somebody thinks I'm a fag, I've been called fag before because I wear earrings and sometimes I wear <laughs> nail polish hey, and I carry a purse, right? I used to get so called So people that all time call me a fag, but I'm always like, thank you. <laughs> thank you for the acknowledgement. I wish, I wish we had. Um, <laughs> I wish I had my camera on YouTube right now because if you could see Jay. Well, you got pictures of me when you put it up, right? (laughs) Yeah, well, actually, remind me, we'll do a selfie afterwards. But Jay has a great um, red beard. It reminds Mm -hmm. me of my dad's beard when he grows one out. A little gray spot. A little gray. He had gray gray stripes right here on his. Well, here's what's interesting. So I'm somebody who went on testosterone in 2001, and I went off testosterone in 2018. Interesting. When I was on testosterone, my beard was bright red and thick and when i went off testosterone 
the hair stayed on the face, but it's now more like old lady, old lady. Oh, I call it's it old lady kind whiskers. Of it kind of, yeah, oh, it's super soft. <laughs> it's super <Aww>. soft. <laughs> and it, when I wake up in the morning, it's all everywhere. Um, but yeah, it's really interesting. I've been off testosterone for almost three years now, I think. What was, was the, what was the reasoning to two years? I went go off, off testosterone. Well, I have always, uh, I didn't transition to be a man. Okay. I transitioned to look in the mirror and see the person I thought that I, you know, resonated with, which is my outer shell, but my inner being, or I came out as a young lesbian at 18 and I was a young feminist lesbian and I've always been part of that community. Mm -hmm. And again, I, I, so I just, I don't even, not to be rude, but I don't like men that much. (laughs) (laughs) I don't really want to be one. I don't really want to be one. And I never wanted to be one. And I fooled myself into believing that I could take testosterone and be out as a trans person and people would get it. Uh, And when I'm out, that would have them know that I was half woman or that I was part woman or I'm not either. Right. I'm either both man and woman or I'm not either man or woman. So whichever way you want to call it. Nowadays, we have the language non-binary. Right. And so when we got that language, it was like oh, I've been waiting for this because I've been that way my whole life. Mm-hmm. I just didn't have the language. So I realized that, oh, I've always been doing that. And when the they, them pronouns, especially when the Me Too movement hit, I talk about this in, my sh- in the show, having been raised a female, classically trained female in the Midwest, we're talking childhood molestation, date rape, you know, all the things all that the have shit, happened yep. to, that happened to women, right. right? So when the Me Too movement came out, I had my own Me Too stuff come up. And it reminded me how much um, being a woman meant to me. And so then it was like, man, I need to go off testosterone so I can even access that part of me. And also, I'm butch enough. Like, I don't need to look any butcher than this. Like, (laughs) I still look like a dude. Um, So, and I feel good about that expression. A lot of people who are trans have uh, body dysphoria in the sense that, they don't want to grow that girl butt back. You know, for me, I don't care about my girl, butt. it's in charge of my pants now, but it's not like, I don't, I never had dysphoria the way a lot of people, a lot of other people did. I had to get the diagnosis, gender identity disorder Mm -hmm. before I could transition. But that was like about jumping through hoops. It wasn't about me actually having a dysphoria of my body or none of that was there. I just wanted to be able to, you know, I wanted the beard and the tits gone. That's right. what I always say. I just right. wanted the, I wanted a beard and a tits gone. And that puts me into a category where people see nothing but male. Right. And so because I'm a white male, the two, then I also have all the privilege that goes along with it. So it's been an, that's why I say undercover white guy, because no, I'm but, way undercover um, yeah, it, <laughs> having this experience when really, <laughs> you know, for me, right. And, and, and learning about you as we sit here, it's really a fantastic story of, of a continued journey, right? Yes. Of like really just, you lived one way for a part of your life. Mm-hmm. You transitioned to another way mm-hmm. for and 18 years, 18 years. Yeah. You transitioned to, to male, mm-hmm. male. It takes seven years on testosterone. Just like guys go through puberty from like mm-hmm. 14 to 21. Mm-hmm. And remember when you went out of high school at 18, then like two years later, you all filled out and grew and got thicker. I mean, it's like you go yeah. see each other at 22. Oh, you're yeah. different than you look at 18. Oh, yeah. I remember my beard um, was this strange. It was a decent beard when I was 18, but it was like dark and then blonde. Yeah. Right. And then as I hit 22, 23, it just started to fill in. And it got thick. And thick. See, yeah. Mine was like that. It was bright red yeah. and thick. Um, but so it's the same level of puberty. I started at 35, but between it takes seven years. Mm -hmm. So it takes a full on seven years to feel the entire impact of transitioning. So I did my seven and then I stayed on testosterone for another, you know, long time, 11 years. And then I went off testosterone and it took an entire year to have, and I'm still not sure I have all the effects of it because if it took seven years to go one way, some of it's going to stay Right. Forever. Right. Well, the beard will stay forever. The voice will stay forever. But I mean, not to get personal, but like I was a very hairy guy, Mm -hmm. like full on hair, chest, Mm -hmm. back, everything. It just disappeared. Just (laughs) disappeared. I love it. And I got my soft woman skin back. That is. So I used to have 
you know, the skin, my skin thickened up mm -hmm. uh, a lot. Yeah. And um, one day, and the hair on you, you know, when you first transition, you're like, wow, I've got hair on my hands. Why do men, do men have hairy hands? I guess they do. <laughs> they you know? sure do. <laughs> yeah. You don't think about it, right? Yep. You just don't even know. And yep. then next thing you know, you look down, you're like, man, my hands are all hairy. Well, the opposite thing happened where I went off testosterone in July, and my wife and I had the kids at a resort with her parents in Tennessee, and it was one of those indoor water things. Yeah. And I was standing there in a shallow pool and I looked down and I was like, oh, I have no hair on my hands. It's all gone. I was like, I, my hands are back to like looking like, I guess, lady hands. But you know, it's, wow, so it's just fascinating. It's pretty interesting. Totally and the doctors don't know anything. It's like they told me all the things that were supposed to happen when I went off. They don't know. They, <laughs> they don't know anything. Mostly they're just humans like us they're trying just to guessing. figure it out. Right? Well, and there's not any research done on right on trans men in particular, because again, if you start out with a vulva, nobody cares. <laughs> Let's just get real. So right. no research was ever done on people transitioning from female to male. There was research done on people transitioning from male to female, because once again, we care if you're a man. Right. Um, so uh, they just don't know because it's never, nobody has it documented. And I know one other guy who's been on for over 10 years and then gone off. And I'm not, I'm sure there's others, but like, it's not a very common thing like you, it's not that there's not you, that many people that have done it do you think it's um once they've transitioned they just want to stay that way so that the that the so they'll always have the male piece or do you think that we just don't talk about the effects of it and and wanting to be more um non-binary well i think there are some people who want to be men and there's some people who are non-binary and, yeah. and nowadays we're so we're at the point where we understand that level of fluidity and people are allowed to do that mm -hmm. where back in our day it was like it didn't matter you just had to go on testosterone because that was the only you couldn't go in and say could you remove my breasts because i don't want to look like a woman i don't want them anymore. <laughs> yeah. exactly i don't want them no you couldn't do that same with the ovary you know you couldn't just be like could you take my ovaries just out, take, my ovaries out? <laughs> take them out <laughs> doctors can be like no <laughs> no i can't i mean even you know the medical profession doesn't help trans people and i've had oh, young trans experience. i had a young trans person have one of the worst experiences ever when they had over a hundred like cysts in their in their ovaries and all these cysts and horrible things and bleeding for 100 days and still finally gets permission from their doc to get get a hysterectomy gets to the hospital and the surgeon refuses to take it out because she might want to have babies someday what the fuck is wrong with people, man? Right? <laughs> like, that is exactly my response. And who the do you think you are? Right. Like, who are you that you think you're God enough to tell this young dude who's a trans man that she, totally invalidating their existence, right. might want to have babies? Like, fuck you. Right. I couldn't believe it. And, and so I advocated for that kid until I found a surgeon who would do it. Right. We got that kid taken care of. But that's the kind of shit that young people, young trans people get shoved around by by the system all the time. Well, so and, and even women that aren't trans, right, even though I'm not trans and don't I don't want, want my uterus, I should be able to take it out. Right, or right? If they don't want kids. People are like, oh, you don't want kids. Uh, right. Like, what's wrong with what's you? What's wrong with you? Right. Like, exactly. we have enough fucking people. Again, it's okay. classic training. Right. right. That's exactly. part of the classic yep. training is that's your job to have kids. It's your job to serve people. There's also male classic training that I think is important that over the 18 years of walking through the world in man skin and undercover white mm -hmm. guy that I'm very conscious of that is also a disservice to men. I mean, one of the stories I tell in my show is about when my sister-in-law had cancer and she died like six months later. She was in hospice and my sisters and I went home early to help my brother with his kids and meals. And, mm -hmm. and in the show, I say, of course, things that women do when things like that happen. Right. right. So the day she died, my sisters and I were there. This woman has six. These are six of my nieces and nephews. She dies. They're all in the room with her, plus my brother saying goodbye to their mom. Right. They come out of the room and one by one, they fall into our arms. Right. So I tell the story of my six foot two nephew who I'd been watching since he was a baby falls into my arms and I have this thought like, am I his aunt or his uncle? And so I say to myself, I'm his aunt right now because if I had a penis, I would have not been here because men don't show up for those things because we don't invite them to. And through our classic training as male, like through classic male training, my brothers, they never thought to go early. They didn't even consider it. 
Like it just wasn't a thought that they had in their heads. Yet, me and my sisters, first thought we had. We got to get down there and help my brother. We got to get down there and help those kids. We got to do, you know, like that's our role, so to speak. So look what men miss out on, that intimate experience that we had with those kids that I will never forget being outside of that room, literally having these children fall into our arms as they lost their mother. And my brothers completely miss out on things like that. So I have a question for you. Yeah. Do you think that's, that's the, the conforming piece? Or do you think that there could be biology in that as DNA from, from just the way women have come up and men have come up throughout the years as far as conditioning as people? I believe it's conditioning, but I don't believe any part of it. I mean, one percent since I've been off testosterone, there is there are parts of it that are chemical. Right. right? That's what I'm trying to. When get I went like- on testosterone, one of the things that frustrated me is because I'm a feminist. Is that, for example, I started having sex thoughts just like all the time, right? And they're always right there. And I always tease people about how it's like just tapping you on the shoulder like every ten seconds. Hey, and they're like <laughs> so in true. right, and they're in flashes. You have yep. to see flashes of images of sex or yep. bodies, or yep. they're just flashes, but they happen, mm-hmm. right? And men have to learn to deal with that, right? Right. Now that's where I said I have more respect for fourteen-year-old boys because I cannot imagine being fourteen and having those things start. Right, where you're well, trying to deal with life, class. right, and then you get you a heart. See, so when I get an erection, you can't see it because I'm. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so, so <laughs> I'm free and clear. I'm free and clear on that. But my point is that when I went off testosterone, that was one of the things I really noticed. Is that went away? Interesting. Right. So part of it's chemical. Okay. This much, like okay. I'm holding my fingers up into an inch, people. About you know, there's a little bit of that's chemical, but most of it is conditioning. Just straight up conditioning. And in that particular okay. situation, that is conditioning. We are conditioned. Women are conditioned that it is our job to go do those things, and we're not complaining about it. We get in on the intimacy. We get in on the you know juicy life stuff mm-hmm. because of that. But I feel, but it's one of those things that it's like we don't know if men would want to do that because we never ask them. They never get invited to that table. They never get invited to that spot because we just send the boys outside. And if there's a girl in the room, she can come and help take care of stuff. You know what I mean? And I do, I have two kids and I noticed that, um, I can, you know, he puts way more of a fuss up about doing something and she will acquiesce to it. So it's, you know, it's just easier. So it's like those kind of things that whether we want to admit it or not, we are all involved in this water we swim in called sexism that we condition ourselves into these roles. And in the Midwest, it's very, still very prominent. I go to speak places and I have 50 year old women come up to me afterwards and say, you know, I still bring my husband his plate. And and when my dad walks in the room, I still jump up and, you know, like it's just a conditioning. It's such a habit. I, I wonder, you know, as a parent, you know, you get it. We're parents. We fuck up our kids somehow, right? Um, I just, that's your water right there, by the way. Thank you. you. I appreciate that. Um, is that I'm raising three boys. Okay. And I'm trying to raise them as open as possible. Sure. Really just trying to just allow them to be them, trying right. not to give them... I work really hard not to give them too much conditioning, right? Yeah. Just the world's doing it for you. So you don't the world's, really need so to. I work really hard just to have them be themselves, but also show, Hey, you don't have to do it this way. Right. There's other ways to, to do it, mm-hmm. you know? And in my practice, I also do that with um, my male clients in the sense that they come to me and they're like, my wife or my partner says, I don't express my emotions. And I said, well, you've been conditioned not to. Right. You've been conditioned to be the alpha male. Exactly what I'm, yes, Right? Absolutely. Alpha male. And that's what your partner falls in love with because mm-hmm. that's the way you're supposed to be when you're dating. Mm-hmm. Right? Kill the bear. You know, hit, do all the things a male's supposed to do. And don't talk about emotions. And then when you get married or, or a couple up, then all of a sudden the expectation is you're supposed to talk about your feelings. Yeah. And so, and they're like... I've never talked about it. So well, I really work part with them of that to too. Like that. I unfortunately have a slew of divorces behind my work because um, women come into my work and they start getting empowered and realizing the water they've been swimming in and they want something different. Oh yeah, I bet. And the guy that they've been with for 20 years is all has they've, they've been fine with this up until now, but the guys don't go ahead and do the work to 
transform it for themselves and they get left. Right. And they wonder why. And it's like, well, she worked 40 hours a week, comes home, knows all of your kids' teachers' names, knows everything that's going on in the school, takes the kids to their well-child visits, take the kids to do all this shit. You work 40 hours a week, come home, put your feet up on the chair and wonder what the fuck, where's my dinner? I'm like, that doesn't cut it anymore. Not you can't anymore. be like that anymore. Nope. Like that does not work. Yeah. And so women, when are, when they're done with that, if the guy's not willing to transform it, then, then they're you know, out. Yeah. And especially in this day and age, you can yes. be out. You can be, fuck it. You don't want the- to marry. You don't want to be stifled and stagnant your whole life. You know what I mean? Like, right. and, and, and I get it that guys aren't expected to do personal development work, but it's time that we all start to get our impact as human beings on other people. And I love the fact that I get to see males in my practice. Mm-hmm. It's the fact that they show up mm-hmm. and want to do different. Yeah. It's pretty. It's and I have a couple powerful. of young guys that I'm coached. I've coached mm-hmm. and I love them. Like my 30 something, just a couple of 30 something guys that I've coached that are get it and are at least open to the conversation and hear me when I, when I say things like, you know, you need to talk to your wife about, right. you know, about this kind of stuff. You don't just like go off and do whatever the hell you want and leave her with the kids. Right. She will leave your ass. Yeah. <laughs> like Figure this out. Yeah. Right. So, and yeah. I've just started um, recently doing um, LGBTQ affirmation therapy. Mm. So that's a new earth um, practice for me. And that's been really cool. Yeah. Just, just. Um, being vulnerable with those clients and just, it's just, and there's not a lot of people. It's really interesting. Even in this world, in the, in the therapy world, counseling world, not a lot of people work are still so phobic. Oh yeah. Trans even. Well, again, it's also classic conditioning when it comes to gender, man, people are dug in. Oh, they're so It is threatening. Well, look how threatening it is to men because again, you're classically trained to, you know, be the man. And so if another person in front of you is like a man and then being feminine or like wearing a dress or any of that stuff, that's like, once again, what the fuck, right? Right. Exactly. (laughs) But I also think it's like, you know, if you ever, um, I back way back in the day, I've been out as a queer for so many years, way back in the day, uh, when we were still dealing with don't ask, don't tell. And we were, and people were, um, dealing with that Bobcat Goldthwait. Oh, you I like love that guy, right? Yeah. I, I never liked him that much with his screaming and mm-hmm. stuff, but he did this great bit where he would talk about um, gay bashing and he would was pretending to bash a, a gay man. He'd be like, I hate you because you're a fag and I hate you because I think you look cute in those jeans and I hate you because... And he's just <laughs> bashing him, doing all these things about, you know, because the reality is what you resist persists, right? Exactly. And what's if you really, really hate something, something pops up that has you revulsed or, you know, like really pushed away from that. It's in you people. Oh, oh. <laughs> it is. Well, look at in every you people. single preacher <laughs> so. that's like totally against oh, there, um, yeah. gay people yeah, or oh, whatever, whatever usually comes out yeah. with some type Me of. Me thinks thou doth yeah. protesteth too much. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yes. so exactly. True. So we all know that. Mm-hmm. And now that's obvious. But it's so interesting when somebody's going through something that they don't even, they can't see it's obvious. The rest of us are like, you know so yeah it's uh, it's interesting and that classic training i think of men really is like you're not allowed to be soft i know and even as a little kid when i was mimicking boys um some of my own like stuff how i've been with women in the past for example was modeled based on looking at men and what they did you know right and you know, gross. <laughs> you don't want to do that. <laughs> you, don't want to, you don't want to do that. <laughs> but it's, you know, if you don't have any role models for how a young, I was a young lesbian for how do I get girls to like me? You know what I mean? Right. Well, we follow the Harrison Ford movies. We trap them, you know, like don't let them out the door. <laughs> you know, I mean, look at every one of Harrison Ford's movies. At some point he, I mean, he basically forces Princess Leia and she's been telling him no for like five times. You know, you won't take no for an ant. There's all that conditioning, right? Interesting. So that's what boys think they're supposed to do, yeah. right? Nobody teaches them a, how to do it differently. I was such a different boy. I was so, I, I was not, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know if it was the way I was brought up. I, I mean, I saw those movies, but I just didn't, I just didn't do that as a, 
I didn't think like that for some reason. I don't know what. Yeah. I was always scared of girls. <laughs> to be honest, I was always like, oh my God, they're so pretty. <laughs> <laughs> That's adorable. <laughs> you know, and I just, you know, and it was, I was always, and I, because I loved them so much and thought they were so pretty, I always got put in that friend category. Right. Because I'd be like, oh, can I hang out, you know? Right. And then, oh, there's Josh the friend again, you know? <laughs> I love you because they're friend, classically Josh. trained, right? <laughs> right, exactly. To, be, to, to, to want the asshole. Some of them, yeah. Some sure. of them, you know? Yeah, for sure. And so, yeah, I didn't really come into, like, my own as a dating person until my mid to late 20s. Yeah. Well, one of the things we talk a lot about in my work with and that I do with women is, okay, so you left that guy who wasn't interested in personal growth, wasn't, in, mm-hmm. you know, that he was doing his macho shit or whatever. Whatever's there that had you attracted to that, we have to transform or you're just going to attract the same guy, different same, pants. Right. And we talk about that same guy, different pants. <laughs> my, that's my, my friend Anola Charity gave me that line, but same guy, different pants. Because if you don't transform your attractor or whatever you're doing that attract that negative dysfunctional human, you're going to go and attract another one. Alcoholics and Al-Anons are the easiest way to do that. An Al-Anon can walk in anywhere and they'd blindfolded and they'd end up with an alcoholic. Yep. I mean, it's exactly. just how yeah. it's going to go. Yeah. That's right. right? That's we attract right. to us what we need to, you know, like it's weird, but we have to transform that stuff. So we attract healthier people. That's right. So, um, in the recovery world, they ask you to try not to date anybody after right. when you sober up for first year. year. Yeah. Meetings, meditation, and masturbation. Yep. Right. And that's right. <laughs> I've never heard it like that. Oh, I've yeah. been meetings, I, meditation, masturbation. I've been sober three almost twenty M's. years. I've never really heard it that way. The three yeah. M's. You ever heard that? I've never heard oh, that wow, before. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then um, in therapy, when somebody gets divorced or, or um, breaks up with somebody, I always say, "Hey, try a year." Yeah. Take a year. Take a year, so we can do that work, so right. you don't go back to the same thing. Yes. Because people love comfort. Mm-hmm. Even if it's terrible. Even if chaos is comfort. Yes. yes. They love it. Yes. And so you have to try to get people to feel uncomfortable. Yeah. And vulnerable. So. Yeah. And people, a lot of people learn in their childhood to manipulate for attention. Yeah. And if they, if they are children and learn to manipulate for attention, that doesn't go away. <laughs> they get their attention through being manipulative. Right. You know, so yeah, it's a, it's a trained pattern. So in your journey, when did you know, so it, okay. Cause you've done these kind of things, right? Mm-hmm. Since you're, you know, you, you were, um, female mm-hmm. then transitioned to male and then now non-binary, right? Mm-hmm. Is that, Technically, is that, in my world, I was never male, but definitely people perceive me. And you're way. inside. You were never male. Yeah, I've always been but perceived as right. Right. And I'm still perceived as male. I'm just, you know, whatever. Okay. When did, did you always know inside or did like, as like something happened, did it like kind of come up and you're like, Oh, I'm something's doesn't with the, fit with the gender thing or the queer thing both or both. Let's well, the, walk. the queer thing. The first thing that what happened to me is I had a girl kiss me Okay. and I was, uh, I, and my head exploded. Like I was, it was like fireworks went off. It was sli- seriously like, like, buddy, I know right. Like. And I had been kissing boys for a long time. Okay. It wasn't fine. It was right. hot and horny and stuff, but right. it wasn't far. It wasn't like that. And so I had this moment. I had been telling myself there was something wrong with me since sixth grade okay. because all my friends in sixth grade started wearing bras, wearing purses, carrying or uh, wearing purses, putting on makeup, things that made me very uncomfortable and that I didn't understand. I felt like a dumb boy. Like, I was like, I don't know what's happening. Right. <laughs> it was really like, whoa, what's going on? And I didn't develop until I was almost 15. So it was like, I was really clueless. Like, I'm like, you know, in this world that there was definitely something wrong with me. So then I kissed a girl and I had that clarity for a moment that like, oh, that's what's wrong with me. I'm gay. And then literally the next breath oh, fuck, I'm gay. Like, I can't be gay. <laughs> like, I can't wow. be gay. Okay. So I was a suicidal youth through high school, tried to kill myself several times, landed in a psychiatric unit at the age of 18. And I knew in between there, I also had gone to boot camp for the army. Um, and so I had been kissing girls and, you know, having relationships with girls since I was 14 or 15, always hidden and undercover. Um, but I knew. <laughs> I mean, I knew. I thought that that meant that I was a demented 
that I was like literally almost mm-hmm. devil possessed <clears throat> and also that I was mentally ill. I thought that it was a mental illness to feel the feelings I felt for other girls, other women. And that's real old school. Oh yeah. That's yeah. super old school. Yeah. yeah. And I was born in a town of 500 people in Southeast Kansas in 1966. Oh yeah. So that's totally the oldest school there is. Right. <laughs> and and so it feel that I, I still believe that that area of the country is about 10 to 20 years behind. Oh um, yeah. Depending on what's going on, yep. but certainly socially around social justice right. and things like that. And so when I came, so when that happened to me in the early eighties, it was 1980 when that happened to me. Um, I just thought, well, I'm, I, might as well kill myself because I'm demented and possessed potentially and definitely have a mental illness because <laughs> you can't be queer and not have a mental right. illness. This is definitely a mental illness. So when I got into the psych ward and I met other, that was the first place I ever met a, a butch woman. Mm-hmm. And she was the first person that ever said to me, kid, there's nothing wrong with you. You're just gay. And I was like, fuck. What? That must have felt so good. Oh, it was mind blowing to me. I was like, and then I really got it. And then I came out. Then for me, it was come out or die. Because okay. f- for me, it was not an option mm-hmm. to stay in a closet. Right. I was so depressed and mm-hmm. felt horrible that way. So when I saw how good I could feel being out, I was, I was just, I busted out of the closet. I was just like, ah! yeah. <laughs> like, um, uh, and so then I was, so I knew all about that. Mm-hmm. Um, gender was different because I was always butch and um, I loved uh, living as a butch during that time in the eighties and close to early nineties, then androgyny kind of came into our community and in the world. Mm-hmm. And every woman had a flannel shirt and Birkenstocks on and you couldn't so tell true. or, or doc Martin boots. Yep. Right. <gasps> doc Martin boots and a flannel shirt in the early nineties. Every woman yep. wore one. Yep. You couldn't tell who was who. Yep. <laughs> Loved it. Loved it. Like, not that we can tell queers from our clothing. I don't want people to think that, but you know, it's like, yeah. really, there was no, yep. none of that. And so for me, um, I was living as a young butch working here in town and my dad, my dad was on his deathbed basically. And on his deathbed, he asked me to get my education. And so then he died. So then I needed to do that. And it took me a year or so to get that together. But part of what was in my way is I didn't know anybody in higher ed that was butch. Like I figured I better soften up and act like a lady, (laughs) right? Act like a woman if I'm going to go do this higher education thing. So I grew my hair out. I had my sister give me some makeup tips. I donned a power suit and I went to KU Um, and went back to my name as Janet. Because my name was Janet oh, Pryor. Okay. So um, when I went back to my name, so then so then I kind of flipped back. I still identified as a butch, but again, people didn't talk about that. Like right. we weren't, yeah. that was oh, not. Yeah. And if you called a young person a butch, because I'd be like, oh, look at the baby butch. And they'd be like, I'm not butch. You know, it was, it was, they're over there lifting weights and doing a bunch of butch shit. I'm not butch. So because it, it was a, was a put down. So is, is butch a put down now? I hope not. I don't know, <laughs> but I don't know. I actually young, the young people's definition. I, I move so fast. I tell people all the time. You have, if you're my age, I'm 54. I just turned 54. And if you're over 40, as far as I'm concerned, you need a 20 year old mentor. <laughs> so true. I mean, how the hell are we going to keep up? You can't right. keep up. Right. I and mean, there's just no way. So I, I don't, I don't think that butch is a, is a bad word for people anymore. But at the time it was, it was right. like, you weren't yep. supposed to I do remember that. that. Yeah. And so, um, I was like undercover and then I went to an NGLTF conference, uh, and met a, a femme woman there mm-hmm. who like, you know, we had a great weekend together she was like, you're a butch. I'm like, yeah, I'm a butch. She's like, stop wearing makeup. <laughs> like get rid of that dress, <laughs> whatever. You know, I was like, okay. She gave me the book stone butch blues. Okay. So that book's changed my life. It really had me understand that I wasn't the only one and that, a, I wasn't being very authentic in how I was living. So I threw out all my girl clothes, got my hair cut, went back to being called Jay. And uh, then from there, it just turned, sorry, then from there, it just turned into jealousy in terms of, well, I left town for one thing. Okay. Um, I tell that story. I was uh, out at a bar. It was my last, I realized I need to get out of Kansas. Like, And I'd always wanted Everybody to get out of Kansas. At least one, one uh, time, yeah. get out of yeah. Kansas, Yeah. So um, I'd always wanted to get out of Kansas anyway. So I arranged it to move, and it was my last night in town, some or last night at work. And my coworkers took me out for a drink, and there had been this guy there who was flirting with my coworkers and stuff, and he'd talked to me earlier. 
And then later as the bar kind of, you know, filled up and the drinks were flowing, you know how it goes oh, in a bar, yeah. right? Oh, yeah. Um, next thing I know, this guy uh, kind of le- leans over and does one of those things. And since you can't see my hands, I'm on the radio. Um, he's asking me to, like, come towards like, him. Like, he in. wants to tell me yeah. something. Yeah, right. lean in. He wants to tell me something. So I lean in, and he just punches me right in the face. And I mean hard. Like, he just went, bam! And this dude was big. I had a, I had a bruise the next day from underneath my mouth all the way up to above my to my eyebrow what? with fist marks like literally knuckle marks on my face um but i didn't fall down i uh, stumbled back and picked up a pool cue because i was ready to whip his ass yeah. and i'm from southeast kansas sek man <laughs> you know you don't fuck with people from SEK. <laughs> <laughs> sek we're a tough bunch yep. so i'm like i'm like ready to whip his ass and at this at the time i had just started using male pronouns and my friends weren't used to it. And so they always, they just called me, they would forget and they'd call me she. Right. So this friend of mine jumps up and says, what did you hit her for? And this guy looks over at my friend and looks at me and then dawns on him that he just punched a woman square in the face. See, he thought he was punching a dude. Interesting. And probably thought he was punching a fag. Probably. Because yeah. this is now before testosterone. It, yeah. Before testosterone, I had my girl face on. Right. right? Short hair, but woman face, Right. So, um, he looked at me and just fell to his knees sobbing. I mean, he was sobbing. <laughs> I was like, well, fuck, I can't hit you upside the head with a pool cue now. Have. <laughs> with, in bad taste, in poor taste. In yes, poor taste. I could have. <laughs> but the point that for me that came out of that though was, I mean, I'm telling you the look on that. He was sobbing. Like he just betrayed his mother. Right. Right. I mean, so, you know how like good, good old boys around they don't here, punch women. you don't punch a woman, No, but it's okay if you punch a fag here and there. <laughs> right. I'm That's like, right. what the fuck? So for me, it was a very interesting, it was a very first introduction into what I say. It's very first introduction into my life where I got to see literally how different the world treats men and women. Oh yeah. And that night my male friends were like, dude, if you're going to be a dude, you need to know if some big guy says, like does that to you and tells you to lean in don't do it never ever <laughs> and i'm like do you did you learn that growing up they're like yeah classic male training yep. you learn that you can be punched in the face yep. we aren't taught that women we just pop off at the mouth most of the time we're safe you know yeah. and i am mouthy so <laughs> I, I there noticed. were more than one time that i would pop off at the mouth when i first tra- started transitioning right and forgetting it was coming out of a face that looked like a dude right and I about got my butt kicked several times because I'm like popping off at the mouth at some dude and he's like ready to kick my ass. <laughs> like, what? Talk shit, when man. I was a woman, I yeah. could totally get away with yeah, that. Interesting. You know, it's a different world. Yeah. yeah. So, okay. Yeah. So then, um, transition still feeling you inside, but looking like a male. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, as the world transitions again or changes again with language and all that stuff, you're like, I just want to be me inside, but outside as well. Right. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So what's it been like as you raise kids, as you're in a, as you're in a partnership with this trend, all these changes and how, how does the family cope for is, like the word that comes to my mind, but I don't know if I don't yeah. know the right word, but like, you know, I mean, yeah, the family's good. Um, my wife was with me when I transitioned and, um, it cracks me up actually when I would tell people that I was going off testosterone, mm-hmm. people were concerned about that. And it's so interesting. The version, you know, that what is the image they have of gender? What's, but, but right. I had people, <laughs> I, I tell the story in the show too. Where people, when they found out I was going off testosterone, they were more worried about Jessica, about my wife. So they'd be like, what about, what about her? And so then I would do my normal, very kind and loving. Well, you know, she just loves me. She just loves the person. And they'd say, oh yeah, she just loves the person. Of course. I didn't say to them, you know, she's been eating my pussy for 19 years. (laughs) I mean... 
Can we get real about can this? Can we get real about this? <laughs> I'm sorry if that's too no. crap. Oh, no. But I mean, good great. God, she's not going to wake up and be like, oh my God, there's a woman in my bed. She knows my parts. Right. <laughs> I mean, right. we have been together for a long time. Right. It'll be 17 years of marriage in October. Oh, so, I mean, you know, like she knows what she married. Right. <laughs> but p- humans are funny. They just don't, they can't grasp anything that's not in their binary. Right. Right. And, and so you, I'm going to wake up hairless and, she, you know, what she does. She think she's been with a man this whole time. No, she knows what I am. You know? Well, so, she knows you. And right? she knows me. Yeah. Right. And she was with me before testosterone and, you know, like all of it. So. so do you do you ever coach people that are that have the same similar experience to you and their partners are, are struggle with? that change and yeah and I don't coach in- people like that because I mostly coach straight people okay um but I have experienced that a lot in my life as tra- people transition um I've never I'm gonna be honest I've never one time seen somebody who like a woman who was married to a man and then she transitioned to a man and so they would be a two gay men if they stayed together I've never seen it work never one not not one time right that male conditioning right I've seen it work the the opposite way where uh, uh, somebody born male transitions into a female and they happen to be married and their partner stays with them mm-hmm. right and they turn into a lesbian couple um, but their partner's there with them I, I've never seen it the opposite way so yeah that's what I've heard more that stick together than yeah than that okay yeah um, what do you think so here's a here's an interesting question I, I've always because I think Traditionally, I'm just going to say traditionally because I don't know what, what else to say. That seems that females are more fluid with sexuality, right? Or the 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 idea in society is we have more. We have we give women more of a license to license to um, right to, to to gender blend than we do men. Right. Um, we don't even have decent skirts for men. <laughs> Someday I'm going to come up with a line, but. We don't have decent skirts. Yeah, they, all we have is kilts, right? They suck. Yeah, they're terrible. <laughs> they're so heavy. And the, the I want a light, <laughs> you know, like, like a, a sundress, like a prairie thing. skirt. Yes, yeah, 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 but more, but maybe with some pockets. Because <laughs> <laughs> guys need pockets. We totally need. <laughs> we pockets. need pockets. We gotta carry, we gotta carry <laughs> stuff. If I'm not carrying a bag, I definitely need pockets. Yeah, so. I'm gonna start. Uh, but I'm yeah, gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna get get a fanny pack. I've decided. Oh, I have I'm, a fanny pack. I'm a, I'm a fan I'm, of I'm a fan of a fanny pack. I've been a fan of a fanny pack, and then I wasn't a fan of you know when they went yeah. out, and yeah. then I was like, you know, I'm gonna, I'm gonna yeah. do that again. Oh, I would definitely so, wear them. I, yeah. Yeah, I, yeah, I love them. But yeah, men and the same. If you th- extrapolate that out into children, unfortunately, it's our feminine boys that get beat up, and our fe- you know they're not allowed to show that. Still, there's a couple of documentaries out. Um, now I just went blank on it. Dang it. There's this really good documentary out on um, Netflix, The Masks We Wear. Have you read, Ooh, seen that? No, I've seen that yet. Oh, it's a little long. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. It's a little long, but it's very good. Okay. And it's about, it's about masculinity and how, it's, and how much it's pressured upon young boys and men. And to the degree that like, it talks about the statistics of how often young men get touched, for example, by their peers after 13. Right. So it's okay to hug your buddies or to wrestle around when you're 12 and 13. And then something happens in the teenage years where you're not allowed to hug each other anymore. Right. You can chuck each other on the arm. You can like Mm -hmm. give ourselves noogies or whatever, but you can't get a hug from your buddy. And so like, you know, men and there's statistics on it that they're starving for touch even. I mean, like everything that we need and to thrive as human beings start to be stifled by the idea that you are not being masculine enough if you show that. That's interesting. And That's, so, I mean, it's so true. Like, I get it. Like, I, I know that. But I think about, um, my mom tells a story about um, my best friend Shane was over on the show last week. And, uh, and she tells these stories of, like, she'd come home from work and me, Shane, and a couple other guys would be our shirts off, wrestling in the, in the, my bedroom, just, just causing trouble, breaking shit in seventh and eighth grade. But then once we're in high school, you know, you stopped touching it though. And the only, and in junior high, the only way you could touch each other was by wrestling. Yep. Like you couldn't cuddle and lay on it on, on each other and watch TV. Girls can. (laughs) Right. I mean, girls can do that kind of stuff. They can lay on each other's laps or lay on it. You know I mean? And guys can't do that with each other. I always know a man that hasn't been hugged 
by the way they hug. Hmm. Yeah. Because I'm a hugger. Right. Yeah, me and too. I'm a good hugger. In fact, right? COVID's p- pissing me off. Right I bet. So I like to I hug people and I'm like, ah! <laughs> yeah, I'm a, I'm a, and I'm a good hugger. You know, I'm not yeah. the creepy male hugger, right? You right. Know, I'm just yeah. a good hugger. And I, when I hug my guy friends, I know, like, who's had good hugs in their life and yeah. who, you know. Who hasn't? From May, like, from, like, they can Because a lot of guys have to do the bro hug. The, there's the bro hug, the bro and hug. then there's just the kind of like, Meh. well, or even they'll do the full wraparound, but nothing's they won't squeeze or they will just right. kind of, yeah. And you're just like, oh, we did a survey at Unity where I go to, um, where I I go to the Unity. We don't call ourselves a church; we call ourselves a spiritual community. Um, but we did a survey once on just looking at our values and mission and some of the things that were important to our congregants. We had somebody let us know that Sunday, in our in our service. We have a time when we greet each other mm-hmm. yeah, and, great, yeah, I'm, yeah, and everybody's okay. hugging, you know, we're all hugging each other. And, um, we had a, had a congregant or had a survey come back that let us know that that Sunday is the only time he ever gets touched. You know, it's like, whoa, yeah. Right. Yeah. Touch is so important to people. It, it they is. need it so bad. My, my 17 year old hugs me all the time. Yeah. Boy. And then my middle we're huggers in our family, but mm. he's like, yeah. for some reason, he's a side hugger. Like yeah. He's like, I don't know if it's the age, like 13, and he's just yeah. kind of whatever, but he's just not. Who like, knows what kind of classic training and conditioning he's getting. Right. You know what I mean? Like, but it's not from like. No, not from you, but yeah. from, I mean, that's the thing. My, uh, when my son was little, he was out, he was over at Kennedy in their pre-K, mm-hmm. and they had a show and tell one time. And he had been coveting his sister's uh, big pink unicorn for a long time. And she let him take it. Now this thing, he's four or coming on five. <clears throat> this unicorn's almost as big as he is. So it's big, big stuffed, stuffed pink unicorn. He walks into the room and the very first person he sees is a little girl who's a classmate of his. And she says, that's a girl's toy. And he immediately, my son is neuroatypical. Thank God for this in some instances. He says, no, it's mine. Aww. <laughs> right. But, Four. Yep. That's how fast. I mean, you know, that's where they they get it everywhere. It's like, you must be a man. You must be a woman. Yes. You You must wear pink. Right. You can't, you can't like unicorns. Right. I fucking love unicorns. (laughs) I always love you. There's my shirt, right? Like, they're just, I just don't, I just don't. There's a guy, there's not a guy, there's a human, I don't know what they are, um, gender wise, on Twitter that did this amazing drawing of how I feel right now. And it's a, a unicorn, a, a rainbow unicorn, but the face has kind of a like skeletorish look on it and the unicorn horn and it's in rainbow colors. And there's a banner that says we canceled pride. This is gay wrath. Now it's gay wrath month. <laughs> I really I love, love that. And that's how, a lot about how I feel right now yes. <laughs> in terms of pride. So, For the month of June, Pride Month, in in the COVID era, what so? We're not well. It's not just COVID era. It's at least for me. Now, for some people, it is. But me and the people that I'm close to and my friends are like our focus is on Black Lives Matter right, right? now. Right. That's what I was going to ask. Like how? And we it? just, I mean, we can focus Pride on our Black, you know, trans family mm-hmm. and Black LGBTQ family. Um, but I just, you know, I had somebody say that the other day, I was like, you shouldn't have to cancel pride just cause this is going on. And I'm like, do you have any idea of the white privilege that has moved our movement? I mean, Oh, interesting. HRC and some of those big corporations that has moved have, have, have had such an impact would not have had the impact they had if they weren't white people who have privilege. And so, I mean, the, one of the biggest move ways that as a queer community or as the queer movement has moved, and it's horrific, I'm not saying it's good, but was when they hung Matthew Shepard, you know, when Matthew oh, Shepard was killed. I lived in Colorado when that, oh man. Okay, right? I was wow. here, I was here at KU helping students deal with that, right? So, but, you know, I don't want to dismiss or be dismissive of how horrific that was. But if he was a poor black kid, it wouldn't have gotten any press. Oh, no. Right? right. No. He was a rich white kid. Yep. And his parents then yep. had the money and the resources and got introduced to the Gates family. 
and got into HRC, which yep. is Human Relation Human Rights Commission, right? Yep. Um, that's all from white male privilege. So our movement as a queer community, as far as I'm concerned, has been moved forward because of with white privilege. And that's the only reason <laughs> that Matthew Shepard was such a big deal is because he was white and because they had money. Right. And wow. that's how deep that's. So I never thought of it that way. Right. Yeah. That's how deep that shit is. man. Oh, totally. Totally. His death was such a significant event. Right. In the world. And it was all because he had. Yeah, and the brutality of it was uh, was yeah. part of it. Yeah. I'm not saying it wasn't. And it was in Wyoming, you know, in a str- like right, a small, exactly. Like, there's lots of circumstances. There's lots of circumstances, yeah. but the the big big piece of how much the country moved uh, around that was about how much money could be put behind people knowing about it, finding out about it, you know, mm-hmm. and his parents being really committed that they're going to stop it, yeah. that they're going to you know put money behind that. So. That's what I say to people when they're like, you don't have to cancel pride. I'm like, we're not canceling pride, but we are going to put all our energy right now on Black Lives Matter. We can have pride. I don't give a shit if it takes us five years to get our pride back, get another pride going the way we have. But I really think that we need to shift our focus. The whole country needs to shift our focus to Black Lives Matter because it's not. Clearly, as we're portraying to the black community, they don't matter. If you can kneel on the neck of a man until he dies while smiling in a camera... Clearly that life doesn't matter. So if anybody has, I know it's really hard to look at some of these videos that yeah, are coming out. I, I haven't looked, but there is a, um, a guy I follow on Instagram. He's a famous kickboxer, Joe Schilling. And I, he lives, I believe he lives in Austin, but he's been posting all of these brutal videos. Yeah, They're brutal. And I, I can't even No. I can't even like, and those we only have now because we have videotapes. Right. Imagine for all the years we couldn't record that shit. Well, I mean, um, you think uh, of Rodney King, right? Yeah, like yeah. that was like a weird thing that that happened. That that was even right. Video. Happened to get on camera. Yeah, get on. Camera. Somebody had one of those giant video yeah. cameras they hold on your shoulder. Happened to be in California. <laughs> just happened Something. to be yeah. driving in California yeah. with a big camera oh on my, my back. God. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Just what do you think? I haven't been able to ask anybody this just yet, outside of. Um, a discussion with my wife is do you think the youth of today the 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 late teens the 20s the early 30s are going to be able to keep the energy up with this fucking revolution because i've been spouting off at the mouth for a long time that the z and the millennials are going to change the world they are i believe it i believe but it. they've got to stick to the the course right because of the way yeah. our culture is I think and they shifting will. i mean i think uh, you know if you study movements mm-hmm. they're usually like five step forwards two steps back you know and, right. and you can watch the queer queer movement mm-hmm. you know from stonewall and then all the things that uh, have, right, yeah. a- have yep. happened right yep. stonewall is where we started yep. our movement it was a exactly. riot yep. right and it was based on pre- police brutality that's right let's not pretend like pre- police brutality is new that's right it's been there forever is that 68 I think it was 68. Yep. Anyway, so um, I think the Gen Z generation is going to change the world and are already changing the world because they're already conditioned to... They're not conditioned like we were into... I don't see color and all lives matter bullshit. Oh, yeah. Right? I never never got down with that. That's bullshit. I never got down with that at all. Um, Well, when... I get it in the sense that I was raised in a town that was all white, like, but I was raised by parents who drilled into us. Don't you ever discriminate against somebody because of their skin? Right. I mean, same way. My parents were just like, we treat everybody the same. Right. Right. And that's how it is. And that's what they're coming from is like, we treat everybody the same. Right. But the reality is you don't because you you can't because it's conditioned in you that you're white. And we started with a white supremacy history Mm -hmm. when you, and now we've gone from shackles and chains to handcuffs. And that's the that's only right. difference. Right? Right. It's the, the way to the metal. Yeah. Um, and so, but I be, really believe that the Gen Z uh, generation has a better chance and will be shifting things um, just because of, of how they're, how, well, they're, how they're expressing themselves now um, is an involvement. 
I assert. I hope so. I think we've. I think they're an evolved species a little bit. Now I do think that you as a therapist can talk to this, and I'm a, a consultant as well. You and I may do the same work together, but some of the work that I do in companies, and it's going to get more in the next ten years. There's a statistic out that says that 75% of Gen Zs have left their jobs due to mental health issues. Mm-hmm. 50% of millennials mm-hmm. due to mental health mm-hmm. issues. Yep. Right. So we're from a generation, those of us who are Gen Xers and boomers, you don't get to call in sick because you're depressed, right? That doesn't get the You heck. don't call in sick. You don't call in sick, period. Right. right? You just go to work sick. To tough it out. Right. Tough it out. And then we raise these kids to, to be the opposite of that. Mm-hmm. Right. And then everybody's mad that they want to go home and they're depressed. Yep. <laughs> it's like we have to decide that we either want a softer, gentler nation <laughs> and let them be who they are right. or, you know, that's a great point. I mean, everybody has a complaint about it. I'm like, didn't, aren't we the ones who said we are never going to do it the way our parents did? Weren't we the ones that said, we're going to talk to them. We're going to explain what we're doing. We're going to have them involved. Right. So we did. So now they want to be involved. Yep. <laughs> so we got yep. exactly. to, you know, like let them be involved. That's a great uh, point, Jay. I really appreciate that perspective. Yeah. I think so, it's important that we yeah. get that because yeah. you cannot complain about this is what we wanted. We Cause, wanted cause, them to be gentler. We wanted them to be kinder. We wanted them to not, you know, do the, the, the deal with some of the shit we dealt with. And right. so they aren't, so but then true. stop whining and complaining about it. Yeah, right? Exactly. But in terms of the workforce, we're going to see, uh, a, it'll be an interesting trend, especially coming out of COVID because I think COVID, one business trend we're going to see out of COVID has allowed people continuing to do work from home. Right. And I think we're going to see a lot of that. Yeah. And millennials were really trying to shift. They that were trying anyways. to do that anyway. Yeah. And, 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 we're, and, and it's always been the Gen Xers right? and the boomers who said, well, we can't do that. Eight to five. We can't do that. Eight we won't be as productive. Guess what? We've been as productive. Yep. We're staying at home. Because you know what? We're not standing around the fucking water cooler talking about right. friends. We're getting more shit done. Or fucking whatever yeah. dumb Thursday night TV show was on. Right. right? Exactly. It was <laughs> Thursday night. You're right. Um, but yeah, so I, I do think the Gen Zs are going to change the world. I do think that there is clearly a pocket of careerly conservative, scared people who unfortunately our president is pandering to. Um, now I just did hear that they're all going to Jacksonville for a conference for the Republican convention and he has promised a packed house and he won't wear a mask. So my guess is COVID central. They won't wear a mask either. And they're all going to be packed in there like sardines in the Republican national convention. Two weeks from there, from that date, we might really see, I mean, who knows what's going to happen, but I I heard something. I, I can't say that I get shocked easily. But this was really, um, I was talking to a friend last night, and he is going to do a rally in Tulsa, Oklahoma on June 19th. Yes. Do you know what that? Oh, yeah. I'm sure you do. It's Juneteenth. So for our one listener, (laughs) my mom, if you don't know this, right after the end of the um, Civil War when slavery was abolished, the biggest... um, execution massacre of black people was in Tulsa, Oklahoma on June 19th. And so our beloved president is going to go to Tulsa on June 19th and give a speech. That's, and my friend, he used a word um, last night that I had never heard before. um, Dog whistle. If that's not a dog whistle, then I've never heard it. And it meant that it's basically um, a silent scream or a silent saying, I'm a fucking racist. Oh, completely. Yeah. yeah. And I've I, never heard that that dog whistle as opposed to like what that is for racism. I've never yeah. heard that before. But, oh, I hadn't either, but I, yeah. it makes perfect sense. Yeah. Once you hear it, you're like, oh, yeah. that makes all the sense. I cannot. I was like, wow. Even in what's going on right now in our country, he's still going to like. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Well, and that's the thing. And I, I, um, one of the things that we talked about when we were talking about diversity trainings is the, the difference between our impact versus our intention. Mm-hmm. And God love the, the, uh, you know, we are full of well-intentioned Midwest white people, mm-hmm. right. That have really good intentions, but that there's an impact that they don't see. And that's that, that we have to start being present to it. And part of what, I think we as white people have to do is stop being shocked. I know for myself as a trans person, when I share stuff that's happened to me or, 
you know, as a queer person, I've shared like a guy punched me square in the face. What I hear back often is, oh, I can't believe that happened to you, which I get. You're not trying to intentionally like invalidate my experience, mm -hmm. but listen to your words <laughs> because what you just told me is I can't believe that that happened to you. And so how I'm left with then is you don't get me like you don't even you're not even believing me. And that's what we do to black people all the time. Yeah. We do it to queers and, and transgender people all the time. And it ha it's happened to me a million times. I've told stories and people are like, I can't believe that happened to you. And I get that they're not trying to be invalidating. They're just got, right? So they, but so, it's like your white gotness is your own privilege. And like, so am I supposed to just go, yep. No, I would. The, <laughs> I mean, come yeah, on, I, counselor. <laughs> <laughs> Wouldn't your response be something sorry like, I'm that sorry that happened yep, to you? Exactly. Yeah. Like, or, that must have been intense or that must have yeah. been emotionally. Exactly. You I'm know just, what I mean? I'm just being. Right. Yeah. But what, yeah, but what most people don't have that language. So, yep. I, what I try to do is like give people the actual words to say. So, yep. I say to white people, when somebody shares something with you that's traumatic, your response is not to be, oh my God, that <laughs> I can't believe, you know, right? Yep. Instead, say, that must have been really hard for you. Yeah, right? really that's all you got to say. I'm really Holy sorry. Shit. Yeah. Anything that like that. Anything ass. that's validating of yeah. their experience. Yeah. Because we don't even get how intense it is that whether we know it or not, we're sweeping that under the rug. Yeah. And, and we're pe sweeping people's lived experiences under the rug. stupid white people. I'm just, um, whatever. I'm just being goofy. Um, everybody gets punched. And you would say to somebody that's white, male got punched you'd say i'm sorry you got punched yeah you wouldn't say oh my god i can't believe that happened to you because right. white guys get punched all the time because yeah. we punch like that's our con like we talked about earlier that's our conditioning we punch people right mm -hmm. we punch back and forth that's how we show our our manhood right mm -hmm. yeah. so yeah yeah so. hey stuff. um i know that you're on limited time and um yeah. we've been going for a while now <laughs> i know oh, we, we don't got an hour hour and um almost 10 minutes so okay. Hey, um, I really, really appreciate that's been being fun, right? on and having this conversation. Yeah. I'd love to have you on again if you want to come just back to anytime. Shoot the shit and talk longer and yeah, you all bet. That. Hey, how can people find you, Jay? I have a couple ways. First of all, my website is uh, www.jpriorconsulting. That's all spelled out: J A Y P R Y O R Consulting.com. And then um, the show that I talked about is the Gender Reveal Party. Dot com. Okay. And uh, people can download the show to watch for like 48 hours for 10 bucks. Great. I okay. promise it's better than Tiger King. You got something you need to watch <laughs> <laughs> during your, um, during your quarantine. But I really feel also proud of it because when people, at least the straight, uh, women in particular that see it, they really don't, people don't understand how gendered everything is everywhere. And they come out of my show really understanding that genitals aren't gender and, you know, they're a little mind blown, um, which is great. And that's what I wanted just to, to, for people to get it. Yeah. So cool. Yeah. Awesome. Well, thanks again for being on. I really appreciate it. It's been a, been a great conversation. Yeah. Thanks. So, I appreciate it. Right. Have a good one, everybody. Bye. Remember perseverance through strength and vulnerability. Bye-bye.